This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly, a production of iHeartRadio. Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly from iHeartRadio, your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy football advice, speculation, and whatever stupid stuff they decide to drop into the show. Now here's your host, Paul Charchian. Welcome to our first in a series of draft rookie-related Fantasy Football Weekly episodes. I'm Paul Charchian, very pleased to be joined by... Th- uh, Thor Nystrom. It's great to have you back. Oh, it's it's good to be here. The Combine's going on even as we speak. Uh, we, we have the whole thing going on, so it's a great time of the year. One of the best times of the year. Love draft season. Yeah, it's the best. And, you know, we obviously you've been on the show for a long time, but we didn't have you at this time last year. So we didn't have you breaking down players for us, but now we do. I, well, I was happy I could get my Puka Nakua. Uh, yeah, you, you know, got it out in the preseason. Yeah, the endorsement, yeah, at yes. the very end. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk through it the entire process. Like, you know, especially guys that, that draft early on, you know, some of the underdogs and different yeah, stuff. Yeah, the best ball people. Mm-hmm. You can get ridiculous values yes. if you draft those, those things before the NFL draft actually happens. And we find the values here. Yeah, no doubt about it. The guys we're going to talk about now are going to be some of the bigger names in this show. The premise of what we're going to do with you, Thor, is this. Today's show, we're just going to do first blush observations about the your favorite five guys at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. So, and this is in part for me because, like a lot of our listeners, you know, we're all focused on the NFL for most of the season, and Super Bowl gets over, catch your breath for two weeks, and now here we are today. And so, I need, I still need like basic overview for a lot of these guys. Then in the coming weeks. We're going to drill down with you on each position and do deep dives on players and go deeper into every position. Love it. Can't wait. I'm super excited. Okay, so we're going to hit 20 guys today. 20. Let's begin at the quarterback position. And the player presumed to go first overall, but not necessarily. Let's start with Caleb Williams. Yeah, Caleb Williams, the the upside, the ceiling that people talk about, that's absolutely real. The, the, the high-end flashes that he's shown are about as good as you'll see for a prospect coming out. I do think there's a little bit higher of a risk th- uh, prof- in that profile that maybe has been discussed. Um, I'll just start with the gut. I mean, elite athlete at that size elite arm and elite improvisational ability. He'll run around, buys time in the pocket, and then he'll see a dude way downfield who's broken off his route. Mm -hmm. He can hit him on the hands. He can get the ball out immediately from any angle, throw across his body, get it on the outside of the other hash, different stuff like that. Um, that, That's all the good stuff. 
Um, a five-star guy had plenty of pedigree. Uh, handpicked yeah. by by Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley kicked out a, a, the other five-star that he had in there, Spencer Rattler. Yeah. So he could start Caleb Williams' career there, and then obviously Caleb went with him to USC. The two things I'm concerned about: one's off the field, one is on the field. The off-field one, it's not that he's a bad kid or anything. It's just there's weird vibes around there. His, his dad has asked for like weird stuff, like looking into the the NFLPA agreement, see if they can yeah. get out of a rookie deal. Can we can we get some some stake in a team? Diff- it's weird. I'm not saying that it's it's bad or or it's going to portend disaster here. It's just a weird vibe. Like Caleb Williams doesn't have an agent. They're they're like we don't need one because it's fixed salary, different stuff like that, which is not inaccurate. When you're going to go in the first I don't two disagree. picks of the draft, and and he has a different company that does his marketing, so right, the advertising right. stuff like he's already fine with. And then the one thing on the field that is just a little bit concerning, and I don't think this is a nitpick. I think it's an actual concern. He takes a lot of time to throw the ball. Now this is by choice. You know, but it's also endemic to his game. Like, he wants to be back in the pocket by time, a lot of it, and then give his receiver time to break off uh, the routes. But he, he's, in, in terms of the t- time to pass, the last two seasons was near the top of the class, well over three seconds. He needs to get the ball out quicker in the NFL. Let's talk about Jaden Daniels. There's some steam starting to emerge that Daniels could pass by Caleb Williams, potentially go to the first in the first. And I think from a fantasy standpoint, Jaden Daniels is going to be the first player taken because of the running. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Daniels, the floor certainly is higher than Caleb Williams is because I, I I don't see how he busts. He does two things at, at an elite level that will translate to the NFL. The deep ball, number one, has one of the best deep balls that we've seen in the last 10 years coming to the NFL in conjunction with his ability to steal yards as a runner. Yeah. Those two, it makes him so hard to defend. Like, you're going to keep, a, a you know, a linebacker spy up. If you do that, you can't have the second safety deep. It, it becomes a spacing problem for for the defense, whatever. So those are the things you like about him. Uh, the ceiling maybe not quite as high as Caleb, but he does have a higher floor. And well, fantasy ceiling could be higher because of the ceiling, running, for right? Sure. He is definitely going to run more. Yeah, I mean, yeah. last year ran for over a thousand yards. I don't know if he passes Caleb. I do, I am bullish on the idea that he passes Drake May though. Mm-hmm. In in in, in what people see as as the board to go in that number two slot if he doesn't go number one. I think he's a better fit for what Cliff Kingsbury looks for in a quarterback going back 15, 20 years of his career. I, I looked at the last nine quarterbacks that Cliff has worked with. Six of the nine were guys that won outside of structure as much as they won inside of structure. That that It's not a Drake May trait. Jaden no. Daniels fits that a lot more. Drake May is uh, the next quarterback I do want to talk about. Much more of your traditional pocket passer. A little bit of mobility, but that's not his game, right? I don't want to, you know, the comparable feels like a young Kirk Cousins almost, you know, who actually had, you know, a little mobility in the first uh, first part of his first half of his career. Yeah, for sure. I I think there's there's parts of his game that have been correctly forwarded and 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 things to get excited about. That's the the stuff about, you know, big strapping pocket passer with an enormous arm. Like he is a sniper downfield and he has all the arm he needs for every single throw, you know, like I said including consistently threatening uh, threatening vertical. The one thing that I think has been overblown about him, it's it's the thing about like the athleticism and running. Like he gets comp to like Josh Allen for instance or even Justin Herbert. I don't think he is the yeah, he's not even close to the athlete, certainly, of Josh no. Allen. Not as good of a runner as either of them. I don't think his arm is quite as good as Justin Herbert's either. So I think these are sort of like apocryphal comps mm-hmm. for him. Um, I, I I hope people don't get upset with this, but my comp for him is Carson Pence, which is a combination of Carson Palmer <laughs> and Carson Wentz. I, I you know it's it's not that he's he Carson Wentz, but I think the pocket game is way better. That's why 
you know, you put Palmer in there. Mm-hmm. But I think he's more of a stand-in-the-pocket type guy in the NFL. Not going to win with the running. That part of his game is not going to translate. Uh, Sam Howell came, you know, came out of the UNC yeah. offense. He ran a ton, but that didn't translate. Um, and, and then the Although other thing, I still contend it could translate. They just didn't let him could. It could. run last year. Yeah, but like Drake May, I definitely don't think it is. And and the, the one other part of the game that I think is overblown is outside of the pocket, off script stuff, he, he's not as good with that kind of stuff that, that I think he gets credit for. Let's go to a player that you've been banging the drum on relentlessly, Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy. Um, you know, there's there's steam that has him going as as high as you know the lottery of this year's draft into the top ten. Then there's you know there are other play players or other people that have him going in the middle of the second round. So you know we've seen a huge divergence of uh, of thoughts on J.J. McCarthy. Tell us a little bit about his game. Yeah, uh, definitely a big fan of J.J. McCarthy. I, I think he's a really good athlete. He did not test uh, athletically at the combine. I think he's going to do that at his pro day. When he does, I think he runs in the four fives. And that's a really important aspect of his game. He steals yards, but the, the, the more rare trait of his game is getting outside the pocket, throwing on the run, absolutely does not need his platform, and he makes really good decisions when he's on the move. Uh, it's just a super rare trait where, the, you know, there, there's not many guys that came out the last decade that you can point to that do that stuff with the consistency that he does. People talk about his vo- uh, volume stats, but when you look at the per pass stuff and when you look at the high leverage stuff, that's where he flips from being on the on the bottom end of some of those guys that we've tossed out to being one of the best. He was 74th percentile in seven of the categories that PFF uh, looks at mm-hmm. to define quarterback play, standard drop back percentile, air, uh, air ERB, or at or beyond the sixth percentile, avoids an negative place percentile, under pressure percentile, outside the pocket percentile, third and fourth down percentile, and positively graded uh, throw percentile, 70, 72nd percentile, I'm sorry, 72nd percentile or above. No other quarterback in that top five or even in the class was above 52% uh, percent in every one of those. All right, let's go to Michael Penix, who I think you know everybody assumed would have been just a lock first rounder. The disastrous national championship game took a ton of the luster off and now we're looking at somebody who may end up falling to the middle of the second round, potentially. Definitely, yeah. And a lot of that stuff with him is going to be informed by how the medical news that we mm-hmm. get about him right. coming out of Indianapolis. A guy who his first four years when he played at Indiana had a season-ending injury in every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Two were to his lower body, to his knee. Um, and and we'll see what, what they say about that. He was able to stay healthy the last two years at Washington, so that was a good part of that. The on-field stuff, I love him when he's in the pocket and he doesn't have to move off his spot. You know, he's like a, a sniper who needs that that gun on the, you know, whatever, yeah. and not moving, whatever. When he starts moving, though, the accuracy falls off a shelf. So when you can pressure him quickly, different stuff like that, he starts making poor decisions. And, and like I said, the accuracy does not carry with him when he's on the move. All right, let's go to the running back position, Thor. Uh, as we're zipping through... Your, your, maybe I don't know if this is necessarily your top five because I don't think you've really ranked everybody yet. As we are recording right now, the combine's in process, so sort of a rough know, draft. Yeah, rough yeah. Draft. I like the way you put that. Right, yeah. everybody's got the right to res- to change their mind yes. in early May when we're almost two months away from the draft. Right, uh, let's go to the running back position. Let's start with one of the fastest guys in this draft at any position, Tennessee running back Jalen Wright. Yeah, Jalen Wright, freak of an athlete, uh, was on the the Bruce Feldman freak list. Um, the reports that we've gotten about, so so we know that he's uh, he's a confirmed twenty three point six miles per hour on in which tracking. is insane. It's, it's crazy speed. You're you're talking literally world class speed. And this is Bruce Feldman that reported this forty four inch vertical confirmed in the past ten eight broad jump. 
Bruce Feldman also reported that in high school, Jalen Wright ran a hand time four two eight forty. Now <laughs> that's Olympic speed. It's stupid, and the kid's not small either. This is not no. an air scat back. He has size with him too. Uh, we'll see at the combine what he ends up weighing in at, but uh, probably uh, two twelve ish. I, I yeah. would expect somewhere around there. He showed a lot of different stuff at Tennessee. He was in this three man rotation, but this past season he moved to the top of it. He started getting the work. He's shown some receiving chop, but specifically his elite trait is hitting that accelerator when he has that line to the goal line yeah, and, and he starts a, he starts a racing yeah. angle nobody's real winning quick. uh-uh yeah, right. no he's getting there all right let's go to florida state's trey benson and i've uh i was watching him today and man do i i like this kid i think his game's going to translate really really well to the nfl he also has speed nothing like jalen Wright, not on that level uh but the vision the change of direction the tackle breaking the home run the home run plays trey benson from florida state looks to me he looks nfl caliber to me for sure yeah getting off the bus he probably is the top one in this class you know i mean in terms of the size speed combination he definitely is the top uh last measurement i had on him was 6'1 221 we'll get an updated one in, in indianapolis all running back yes and by the way in the prop markets right now the books have set his 40 at 439 Man, at that size, so we'll, and, and he he's got a sprinting in his background and everything like that, and plenty of explosive plays on tape. So we'll see if he ends up being able to to, to break that number. If he does, obviously the stock is going to surge. Interesting evaluation. Didn't play much his first two years at Oregon, in part because he had this devastating knee. Um, he he, he tore his ACL, MCL, lateral meniscus, Jeez. medial meniscus, and gracial tending. Which I didn't I, know what that tendon, was. Which I guess it's a hamstring thing. As a true freshman, when he was on like the the you know the the practice team, whatever. Yeah. Didn't play much as a sophomore, but in uh, he transferred to Florida State. 2022 was his enormous breakout season. Uh, I mean, a- across the board was awesome, but we're truly historical. That season, he became the first guy in PFF charting history to break more tackle attempts than were – he was the only guy over 50% in that. So he was breaking, you know, two tackle attempts. He breaking more than one every single time. So I, I truly prolific tackle breaking. Then the play came down a little bit last season. I wonder if that was an offensive environment thing. He's a guy who should uh, be projected as a bell cow who never got that opportunity because he was playing in a Mike Norvell offense. A guy who was used ever since going back to Memphis, a platoon of running backs. I think Benson would have been better served than one where where he could you know sort of get going and warm up and everything like that. But yeah, uh, very very talented kid moving to the next level. The you and I may differ on Texas running back Jonathan Brooks. I I watched one game just him against Houston, so I'm I'm just I'm very early into this, but I liked some things. I didn't love anything, and you know I thought his change of direction was okay. The speed was just okay. He can catch. I, you know what I really bothered me is open space. The guy does not maximize opportunities. I saw him get tackled a bunch in just one on one open space situations. And it felt like he merely took what the Texas offensive line gave him. I didn't see special traits, at least in one game, for Jonathan Brooks from Texas. What do you think? And and I don't think he's a special athlete either. And one of the disappointing things about his injury from November uh, is that we're not going to see him in the pre-draft process. He is not going to have to test. So not only is he coming off the the knee injury that's going to affect his rookie season, but we we, we have no idea what that athletic profile is going to be. But I agree with you. You know, he is not a special athlete by any means. He's not a huge back either just to tick over 200 pounds the one trait I really like about him is contact balance he's one of those guys where he'll bounce off the the glancing shots and everything like that and keep on moving but I totally agree with you like doesn't have the juice doesn't have the the long speed and the make you miss is 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 good but not great 
Notre Dame's Audric Estime. Estime? Estime. Thank you, Estime. I'll, I'll have this down by, uh, by the draft. I'm, I'm confident. Uh, talk to me about him. I, I hope he does well in the NFL because I like saying his name. And uh, Notre Dame loved him last season. He was the reason that that team was good. and It wasn't because of Sam Hartman. Estimate last year, 94.2 PFF grade. That is, Jeez. speaking of historical, 64 broken tackles with that. He, and, and uh, by the way, an elusive rating of 126.5, which is very impressive because mm-hmm. this is a 230-pound hammerback. He has good feet. Uh, I, I, I really like that, and I like the power as well. He runs more angular, but he has really good contact balance for, uh, for running with that style. Certainly brings the power. One really important thing about his evaluation, finding out what the speed is, finding out what the splits are in Indianapolis. The athleticism is the one thing you question about him, but uh, last year certainly opened a lot of eyes. Michigan's Blake Corum had the luxury of running behind this amazing offensive line and it made it I it, I think it makes him a challenge a challenging evaluation because so many guys could have succeeded and looked good in that offense but he does have some some nice traits he's clearly very shifty really good footwork and balance um I, it looks like he's got some sneaky speed as well what do you think of Blake Corum he another weird evaluation uh last year at the beginning of the season, he he did not look impressive at all. He looked sluggish. He was coming off an injury of his own for 2022. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the season, he was basically being escorted for five free yards every single run by yeah. that sick offensive line, in particular run-blocking offensive line. I, I believe this is off memory, so uh, forgive me if I'm off by a couple, but it, um, I believe Michigan was number two in PFF run-blocking grade last year. Pass-blocking grade, they were significantly lower. Mm-hmm. That, that offense was built to have that mauling line for Corum, get the free yards before contact the year before we had seen chops of Blake Corum of breaking more tackles he's certainly an agile kid he's one of those uh, bowling ball type build guys that yeah. the short and, and pack guys I like the agility he doesn't have long speed though and the thing about last year uh, where it really affected his numbers as far as the sluggishness early on elusive rating for Blake Corum was only 27.4 last year 100 is, is what is is considered like solid mm. this kid was at 27 point it was one of the lowest we had yards after contact was one of the lowest we had. He was better the year before, so you, you do have to give him that. Uh, in his own system, I, I think that could work out. But for me, he's more of an early down guy, not going to get the receiving work in the NFL. Some people disagree with me about that, but I didn't see much of him as a receiver at Michigan. When we come back, let's talk through wide receivers, beginning with Marvin Harrison Jr., who seems to be the consensus number one. We'll see if you – and again, I don't, I don't expect you to have all your rankings done at this point. Uh, but there's a lot of great, a lot of great receivers to talk about, and at least four guys that could go in like the top 10, 11 yes. picks of this draft. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll talk through that when we come back. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back. Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Charchi and Thor Nystrom with you. Uh, you can follow Thor on Twitter, at ThorKU. Rock Charchi. And uh, I am at Paul Charchi. Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr., everybody has got slotted in to pick four of the NFL draft. And it feels like it's been this way. We knew this was going to happen at this time last year. We knew Marvin Harrison was going to be one of the first players taken in the draft. So no big surprises here unless you see something different than most do. I, I definitely buy that. Yeah, the the sports books have the first non-quarterback taken odds. And yeah. Marvin Harrison justifiably is like minus 800. I'm not surprised. It's, it, it's not bettable. But, yeah, he's definitely the, the top uh, non-quarterback. And in, in this elite wide receiver class, like truly elite one where you have – three guys that would be wide receiver one in almost all the classes, you know, past five, six years, whatever, he stands at top of them. Uh, what makes him unique, you have the prototypical boundary X type uh, frame that he's in, right? Like he came off the factory line, uh, but he has the route running chops and understanding from his father, Marvin, who you'll recall was not, the, the you know, in terms of the athleticism. Yeah, not like elite that. athlete. Not at all. No. And he was a small guy as well. Yeah. Marvin Harrison had to win on route running, and that was the thing that he taught his son. But his son got all the physical gifts that, <laughs> right. that he didn't get. And the thing you love about it is, so the release package, there, there was teams that tried to press him. You're not pressing him. His footwork is mm-hmm. really good off the line. He has the strength off the line. And then the route running stuff, I really like his ability to throttle down and then throttle back up. He weighs absolutely no, no motion in it. And then along the route path, he's constantly toggling up and toggling down his speed. So it's really difficult to get a sense of, like, where's that route break going to begin? Which way is he going to go? What's he trying to do here? Is he trying to get downtown on me? Is he going to cut in? You know, like, what's going to go on? Because of all those different uh, cool things he does. Love the ball skills, everything like that. So he he is justifiably the wide receiver one in this awesome wide receiver class. All right, who's the receiver you like next after him? I would put Malik Neighbors. I love Malik Neighbors. I love Malik (gasps) Neighbors, too. Yeah, the, because that big body, the big the big build. Yeah, the well neighbors. So the NF, this is the way the NFL is going, right? With with the speed receivers like this, I, I comp Malik Neighbors to Jamar Chase. Um, it it felt too easy because he's coming out of LSU, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they're the same body type. They're going to test very very similarly athletically. Um, and you know I sort of see them in the same phylum. But he's just a Ferrari phylum. Yeah, yeah, phylum. <laughs> <laughs> not kingdom, not family, not order. I don't yeah, remember all grouping. the other. Yes, yeah, okay, yeah. all right, I like that. Yeah, but yeah, like um, the, the unique thing about Neighbors, uh, a couple different things. He's a very, very rare guy in terms of it seems as though he accelerates while he's changing directions. Mm-hmm. It's instant acceleration out of the route breaks, instant stopping whenever he wants. He gets separation at will because he can be going full speed, and then he stops on the dime, he can come back, he can break in whatever he wants. But the other guy can't do that. Even yeah. if he guessed right, he wouldn't be able to athletically stay with him. So that that's how he's always creating that. And then he becomes this demon with the ball in his hands afterwards. He's got really good vision, obviously the agility, and then that speed. Last thing I'll, I'll mention about him that's unique, He, I, I don't know if he taught himself this or if this is just natural or what, but you don't see it with a lot of guys, very few. He does not move his upper body much when he is running at full speed. You know, hmm. Everyone, when they're running, they chug their arms. This guy's got his arms pretty static wow. along there, but he's running at 4-4, four, four, maybe even high 4-3s. And so guys have a really hard time gauging 
first of all, how fast he's actually yeah, moving. Yeah, right. You might think he's at full throttle. Because it doesn't he's look not, like Because he's, he's coasting. Exactly. Because yeah. that upper body's not moving whatsoever. And then it's also really difficult to know, because he doesn't telegraph it with any upper body movement, where he's going to break his route off, if he is going to break it off. I uh, saw some great blocking on uh, on some film on Malik Neighbors, too. He's a dog. Uh, let's go to, let's stay with the same team. Let's talk Brian, teammate Brian Thomas. Yeah, Brian Thomas is your, uh, it's more for me, the prototypical Don't, number two. By the way, you the can't NFL. comp him to T. Higgins right now. I'm not going okay, to comp him to Higgins. I actually comp him to George Pickens, another kid that came uh, out of the SEC yeah. recently. But it, it, it's it's one where it's the big outside receiver who has the downtown, uh, uh, ball, you know, the ball, the ball skills downtown, whatnot. He gets up off the ground. He can high point it. He knows how to pin guys behind his back. He might be a bit faster than Pickens in terms of what the testing is. Mm. But it's the same sort of utility. I don't see Brian Thomas ideally as a wide receiver one in the NFL on his team. I see him as a really, really good number two like he was in college. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, let's go to... Uh... Let's go to Lad McConkey, who must be related to Phil. <laughs> How many McConkeys can there be? There, there is not a lot of McConkeys, right? So, yeah. is there? Do you know? Is there any connection between these, between Lad and Phil? I'll, I'll have to get deeper into the research. I don't, on I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure know. about that one. What I do know about him is it's it's separation at will. That guy separates mm-hmm. like you and I breathe. Down at the Senior Bowl last year. Tank, we had a thing with Tank Dell where after Tank Dell embarrassed all the defensive backs and one-on-ones on the Tuesday, on the Wednesday, they started grabbing him at the route break because the defensive backs didn't want to get embarrassed getting left in the dust by Tank Dell in front of all the NFL evaluators. Wow. He changed the behavior of the defensive backs more than anyone by far that mm-hmm. year in, in those one-on-ones. That was Lad McConkey this year. Lad McConkey dusted everyone on Tuesday, just like Tank Dell had. On Wednesday when he came out, it was a little bit different thing, but a change of behavior nonetheless. The defensive back started playing eight yards off the guy in one-on-ones. They were not interested in attempting to press him Mm -hmm. because they knew he was going to embarrass them with the footwork, and and then the separation is just going to start earlier. The defensive backs were basically saying, you can have a free reception anywhere within six yards of the line of scrimmage. I will just seed that. And then try uh, right. so don't you don't embarrass you. me yeah. in front of all the evaluators. Wow, yeah. wow, amazing. Uh, oh, uh, we we, we got to get to Odunze. We skipped over Odunze. Let's do it. Yeah, Odunze, so uh, he's the other one of those top three guys. Uh, 6'3", he's going to be 215 to 220. I think he's going to test better than other people do. Uh, in the NFS, NFS and Blesto are the two preseason scouting uh, services for the NFL. The, they put out projected 40 times. They had um, uh, Odunze in the four fives. I think he's going to run very low four fours, maybe even high four threes. Certainly that's been the reports. Odunze is the only one of the top three receivers who is athletically testing in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. They asked him why, and he said – Because I'm good. Exactly. He, he said, people have always undersold my speed because I'm a long strider. So I'm moving way faster than it appears on the television screen, and I'm going to prove it. So I, I thought that was really cool. I love his play strength. At that size, he's a really good route runner. At that size, and elite ball skills. If he tests as well as the reports have suggested that he, that he could, I see Julio Jones in him. I think Dang. there's a lot of similarities. Certainly the same uh, uh, package in terms of the height and the weight. And then, like I said, the report the reports of his test very similar to how Julio tested coming out. Let's go to the tight end position. Uh, Brock Bowers was at this time last year. People were telling me Brock Bowers was going to go in like the top six players of the draft. I don't think that's quite going to hold. Uh, in part because it's just there's a lot of good players at the top of this draft. I think this it, it feels like maybe a top-heavy draft. I don't think Bowers played badly this year at Georgia, no, right? No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, so let's go to the tight ends. Let's start with there because Brock Bowers, I think, is the one 
tight end that pretty much everybody's got pegged in the first round. And I've seen him as high as pick six or seven, as low as pick like 11, 12 in that area. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's where I, I think he'll go. Very, very uh, good prospect. Obviously, I, I don't know if I get, you know, all the way to a generational tight end. I don't even think about him as a tight end. To me, he's a Swiss Army offensive weapon. They lined him up outside. They lined him mm-hmm. up in the slot. They lined him up in line. They lined him up in the backfield. They would, they would do end arounds to him. They would manufacture touches because the special sauce of Brock Bowers, it's with the ball in his hands afterwards. He has the speed to, poten- if he gets an angle, to potentially take it downtown. But the the uh, tackle breaking, it, it's uh, reminiscent of Sam Laporta from the last class where he has that co- combination of the short area agility in conjunction with the power. So it's really hard to square him up. And when you don't square him up, he is absolutely running through your arm, your arm tackle attempt. And he's a solid blocker, I will also say, for being a bit undersized, uh, around 240, 245 pounds. But he, he can do all the different blocking stuff. Certainly played a lot of inline at, at Georgia. All right, it falls off from there at the tight end position, but there are some other guys that could be day two picks, right? Uh, Jatavian Sanders, talk to me about him, Texas. He is the one that I'm very interested in, particularly from a fantasy perspective. Jatavian Sanders is going to be a more valuable fantasy asset than he is a real-life asset because the kid can't block. He, <laughs> he, he's just a big receiver. He should be a big slot in the NFL. Like Maybe not even consider him a tight end. He should just be playing in the slot. But super-duper athletic, the speed. Um, I, I love the speed. I love the agility. The change of direction for his size is upper tier. He also has good core strength and balance. He's one of those guys that cannot get jarred when he's running the routes at the catch point. Guys try to go through his back, different stuff like that. You're not doing that either. You can't jar jar the kid. But yeah, he's he has that ability to separate for all those reasons. The this and and then he has the ball skills at the end of it. But that athleticism, the strength that allows him to get open and and win in contested situations where he, he is really really good in the contested situations. He also makes people miss when he has the ball in his hands. Not going to break tackles, but he will make you miss. But but yeah, the the nitpicks on him, he doesn't block at all. So that that's the big thing. You just have to know you're getting the big edge. We don't care about blocking. We don't. Not in fantasy. No. Uh-huh. You know who else can't block very well? Travis Kelsey. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, who cares, yeah, right? Who cares? If you're good enough of a receiver, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They can't all be uh, George Kittle. That's exactly right. Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Ohio State's Cade Stover, presumably not the son of former Browns kicker Matt Stover. I, I don't think so, but I will look into that. <laughs> he, he He's an interesting kid who was a prep basketball star. Then he was Ohio's Mr. Football as a senior mostly as a defensive guy. He signed with Ohio wow. State as a four-star linebacker. Then they – and by the way, I, I pulled this up for you. 247 Sports comped him when he was coming out of high school and signing with Ohio State to Anthony Barr as really? a prospect. Wow, yes. okay. All right. As a linebacker. They then – Ohio State switches him to defensive end when, when he gets to campus. So he played those two positions as a, as a freshman, moved to tight end as a sophomore, but then briefly went back to defense 2021. It was the last two years full-time tight end where mm-hmm. he broke out. You see that springy athletic – you know, athleticism that, of course, comes with being a basketball player, different stuff like that. And a guy who had the ability to bend the edge when, when he was rushed as an outside uh, pass rusher. He also has the uh, skills as a receiver, even though he's really early on with it. The hands certainly speak for themselves. Only two drops on 100-plus targets the last two years. I also think he has an advanced route running uh, understanding for where he's at with that position. In terms of the stuff like uh, the stop-start agility, getting into the route breaks, different stuff like that, the footwork in there. 
there. And he's coming along as a blocker. He uses his length well is one thing I like about him. And he knows angles and he understands leverage as well. Needs to continue working on his technique and the core strength for that area of his game to become upper tier in the NFL. But a very interesting prospect nonetheless. All right, that's Ohio State's Cade Stover. Let's do we're gonna do three straight Big Ten. Well, Pretty soon, they're just all Big Ten, yeah. right? Uh, tight end conference, baby. It is a tight end conference, and we will have an Iowa connection coming up in a minute. Uh, Penn State's Theo Johnson. He's one of the better size athleticism combinations in this tight end class, and he's showing chops as a receiver. The the one thing that you know sort of concerned you in college was there was inconsistencies there, but you have to give him the benefit of the doubt of the offensive environment he came from. Drew Allard, their quarterback, even though he's a Ballyhood recruit, really struggled the past couple of years. Theo Johnson was in a 12 personnel offense where they had another tight end they would throw the ball to as well, mm. but Allard wasn't a particularly good thrower. I, I like those skills of Johnson. I want to see how he tests. But I, I like the receiving skills. And he played really well down in Mobile when we saw him at the Senior Bowl. He was clearly the best tight end there. Oh, so, oh best overall tight end. Best overall Bowl. tight end okay. that, that yep. we saw, yeah. So he definitely moved up there. If he can do it again at the Combine, there's a big opportunity for these guys who are not amongst that top three tight end group that we just talked about. There is perceived to be an enormous teardrop after that. So all these guys in this grouping, if any of them mm-hmm. can stand out for the rest of this draft process, you could potentially jump up there, maybe even go at the end of the day too. There's a bunch of teams that need tight ends right now. Yeah. Miami does. The Jets do. The Bengals do. Man, imagine dropping yourself into the Bengals offense or the Miami offense. Yes, yes, as yes. A, as a good tight end. Oh, that'd be. I want Jatavian Sanders in one of those two. Wouldn't that be nice? That's what I want. Yeah. All right, let's go to uh, Iowa via Michigan. Eric yeah. All, who I had not heard of until you just, you know, you, you dropped his name on me uh, a couple of days ago. Give me the uh, give me the update on uh, on Eric All. Yeah, he's coming from both the sort of the TEUs. You know, he played for right. Jim Harbaugh at Michigan for a couple of years. Then he came over with Cade McNamara, the quarterback that they had that transferred to Iowa. Mm-hmm. JJ McCarthy stole his job, of course. So they came over last year. Was supposed to be Eric All's like you know national coming out party, whatever. And he was playing well, but the problem was. McNamara came into the season hurt and then summarily was knocked out for the season. Then Eric All tears his ACL in October when he was starting to look really good in that offense. This was coming off a season-ending back injury when he was at Michigan in 2022. He's only played in 10 games over the last two years, but he looked really good 2021, the last full season that we saw him when he was a sophomore. 38 catches, 437 yards, and two touchdowns. I really like his combination of size, speed, and feet. He can change directions really quickly. Also accelerates really quickly out of route breaks to return to top speed. You can line him up anywhere. He's shown that over the course of his career. Obviously, he was coached well at both the schools that he was at. There are some concentration drops on film. That's the one thing as a receiver you'd nitpick. Mm-hmm. And then he also lacks play strength. So he's not a uh, great blocker, even though he tries. You know, he, he he can block, pick off the smaller guys with his length, stuff like that. But he gets ragged up by the bigger guys. And then along the route path, he can get jarred a little bit. So, so those are the couple things. But for me, Eric Hall is the sleeper in this tight end class. Um, th- 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 this would be a guy. Can any it, Iowa tight end be a sleeper at this point? Well, we, we've seen some slip through the cracks that then became studs in the NFL. Like all of them. Yes, exactly. They all they're basically if you rehab, redo all of the drafts from all of these, well, other than Noah Fant. Yeah, exactly. Noah Fant's yeah. The, one t- the one Iowa tight end that just, and obviously he's still in the league, and he's not bad. He's not terrible. It just hasn't. But for, but for the brotherhood that he's with. is Yeah, the yeah. pedigree. Because yeah. you have a Mount Rushmore. We do. Yeah. Basically, yeah. there is a Mount Rushmore there now. Uh, 
We'll dive deeply into all of these guys in the coming weeks. I can't wait. And so, we'll have all the athletic testing profiles from yeah. the combine. Can bake all that stuff in and then do a little bit deeper dives. I can't wait for that. Yeah. So, well, over the, the coming shows, we're going to have some free agency shows because free agency looming. We're going to have some big moves. Who's Kirk Cousins going to be throwing to, right? Yep. Is Baker Mayfield automatically going back to Tampa Bay? All the free agent running backs, you know, Saquon Barkley and, and Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs. There's going to be so much happening. Lots happening. Ah, can't wait for that. And then uh, we'll be, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of the second half of March and April, we'll be talking with you. Yep. Breaking down all these positions, Thor. We're going to find some sleepers, too. In, in a couple of these episodes, we're going to get out in the weeds and go sleep That's, around. yeah. And, you know, it doesn't work every year, but last year, you know, Puka was one of my guys. Mm-hmm. Tank Dell was one of my guys, you know, he, and he ended up going in the third. But, you know, at this time uh, last year, he was considered like a fourth, fifth round guy. But, yeah, we will find you guys some sleepers out there. For I don't sure. expect you to get them all right, but your hit rate last last preseason was very high. I think about the only the only guy I remember you really pounding the table for that didn't do much was Roshan Johnson. Oh yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I think you were really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. With, I'm so bullish. I'm so bullish on Roshan. But yeah, we, we had a good process last year and we you know just bring the same thing over this year and hopefully we can we can find some unearth some of those diamonds in the rough. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Thanks, Thor. Can't wait. I will talk to you next week, everybody. Bye bye. Fantasy Football Weekly is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.